white parents, go ahead and tuck the kids in. PG time is over. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Everything Paranormal Podcast Show 2021. This is episode 21, and I am your host, Paramike, and in the deep, dark dungeon of the paranormal world. She is the gothic goddess. She is the dark mistress of ranting on fucking movies that should never be remade and other bullshit. <laughs> she is the one and only Paralore. Damn right. Of course, probably people by now would probably call me Dr. Bitchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> probably, but who knows. A quote from Katya. Yes. If you know who that is, it's a drag queen. Yes. Uh, we're going to do some more urban legend stories outside of... I My mouse is being stupid. Because <laughs> I have a computer screen hooked up to my laptop. So sometimes it decides to get stupid. Um, she's got some more emails yeah. that she has to read. Email news. Uh, yeah. One is basically like places that people have heard of in fairy tales and action, fiction books and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Places actually exist. Yeah. Um, and the rest of them are just plain entertainment. <laughs> or paratainment, I'm calling it. That's right. That's our new segment on the show. Para-entertainment. No, paratainment. Oh, it's paratainment. Okay. My fault. Um, also, um, on our YouTube page, uh, we've got some new people. Yeah. And I'll be giving shout-outs here on the show as soon as I can get into it. Excuse me. I had a burp. Um, I'm also working on another project that I've been wanting to do, but it's just taking a little time to get it. Perfect. You've been a little busy. Yeah. Um, as most of you know, I've been talking about getting my arm surgery and everything, and I came up to... A problem. Yeah. And I have two options. Option one was trying to get out to another county from one county to get my arm surgery at 5 a.m. Yeah. To be prepped and set for a 7 o'clock in the morning surgery that supposedly lasts 45 minutes of a (laughs) surgery. And that's been bugging the shit out of me ever since I stated that I was going to get surgery to my arm. Well, actually, the way uh, the doctor that wants to do the surgery put it, it's just reconstructive surgery. Yeah, I know, but it's just funny how that a surgery to a human body part only takes 45 minutes. Yeah. When yet all the x-rays and all the little... Test I've been bouncing through have nothing to do with it. Shows that it's a little bit more extensive damage to my arm than what these people are actually seeing. It's muscle damage. And it's like, um, it doesn't take 45 minutes surgery to fix something. No. Due to the fact, whether if it's muscle, a vein, that too, or human tissue doesn't take 45 minutes and that's been bugging the shit out of me ever since I've been going through 
this crap. Wow. And also trying to find transportation, but unfortunately these people don't realize that the transportation service that I get from the local cancer center here in Lawrence County. They, uh, yeah. They're not a 24-7, 365 business. No. They're open normal hours. Yeah, 8 to like 5. Exactly. And it's like, this is ridiculous. Well, you were saying, oh, if you can get a ride the day before. Yeah, that's when I thought at the time back in January this year yeah. would have a ride. Yeah. But the ride ended up getting totaled mm-hmm. by a dumb bitch not paying attention. We know who that is. He did, so, uh, your ride described the woman and it turned out to be Robin. So, that kind of blew. So, now I have option two, which I've fully accepted. Doing your own therapy to, re- to uh, get it back into alignment. It's not going to work because the way that the x-ray showed the muscle and everything, it's mm. like jammed into the rotor cup yeah. and the bone, yeah. which is swollen. Yeah. So, option two is, I'm not going to get it <laughs> at all. I'm just going to leave it the way it is and just keep working on keeping the muscle going. Yeah. Keeping my arm flowing and do what I can. If I can't lift it over my head like my left arm, eh, so fucking be it. Well, well you I can do, do have to see your, um, your cancer doctor this month, don't you? No, that's in March. Oh, this month, I'm actually kind of calmed down, which is good. Okay. But everything picks back up in March, which is going to suck donkey <laughs> dogs. <sighs> so, I'm going to throw it over to the dark dungeon, and she can have some fun. <laughs> well, Eat first, uh, got some horror movies. Speaking of that... You were just watching one when I came home from <laughs> a little grocery shopping. After yesterday, she came home because I was not supposed to go out at all yeah. for a while. Due to the fact on February 1st, uh, you ended up with a bad migraine from yeah. hell. I get those from time to time that put me the fuck out. And I went to take care of all the business that I could do. Basically, bill paying, cell phone paying, rent paying, um, going a little shopping for our three little podcast cats. Which are all passed the fuck out. Which was very shocking to me for the first time in almost seven years we've lived here in Lawrence County that I've actually seen Walmart Pet Department shelf. Yeah. Out of cat litter that we buy these three idiots. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Well, when I went there... I this th- is the first. When I went there, I think it was like the next day. Yeah, you went the next day yeah, because... It actually was full. Because I ended up slipping... Yeah. On snow, slush, and black ice and smashed the right side of my head. And I had a fucking headache for at least three, four days. Uh, don't worry, he's And fine. I still have it. I still have that headache that hasn't gone away yet. And I'm trying not to take ibuprofen for it. I want to see if I can get rid of it myself. Well, uh, 
So we had a safe side. You did get checked at the uh, hospital up the street from us, and they said it was you were fine. They said I was fine, you but just it's just for a couple of days. It was just that it was going to be tendered. I may or may not end up with a bump on my skull. That would be called a concussion. But no, it was just like you know, like when oh, yeah. when a baby hits their head on a, on a corner part of a table and it has that, that egg showing. Yeah, that's what they were worried about. Oh. Because of my history and of 2016 when I had surgery done to my head to have the tumor removed. Yeah. They were like, well, 5%, you may just have a headache for at least a week and a half yeah. to 2%. 95%, they were kind of scared mm. of what might happen. I might have like a fucking egg on my head that was about the size of a boulder. Yeah. And they couldn't do much if that happened. Of course not. Due to the fact that I'm under two different doctors. Yeah. For my head. That's the one here in Lawrence County and the other one is in Allegheny County. Yeah. So it's like, oh boy. Hmm. So, you were just watching a movie. Yeah. Which I was kind of surprised yesterday to see it, and I'm holding <laughs> it in my hand, and it's a Blu-ray disc. It was Blu-ray. I'm like, movie. what the fuck? <laughs> Why would you buy this DVD? What? It's a Rob Zombie film that bombed. Like, you take a nasty shit in the toilet and just keep flushing, 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 <laughs> flushing, flushing. That's well, what this movie did. It flushed itself down the fucking shitter. Well, not... I know that um, Rob Zombie's movies, not all of them are winners. I know that. Uh, just his music. That's it. No, he, um, the movie that, that I watched, that I bought... Was the third was a third with a was the third part of a two th of a two movie series, one being House of a Thousand Corpses, yeah, which was really good. Even you and liked one it. hell of a fucking video game that we destroyed, and you liked it. <laughs> um, yeah, because it wasn't flashing in it. Like no shit. Like everybody was saying, oh, there's gonna be massive flashes and people no, with seizures. Not. You should not watch this shit. Video game, yes, it, it did have Real flashing games, yeah. because Some it was a gun game. Those. Yeah, so I had to be careful. Uh, the second one being Devil's Rejects. I like that one too. I didn't like that one. It, well, yeah, because uh, when we were watching, it was like you thought it was going to be like cut, like the cussing and certain scenes were going to be blocked. No, no, no! I just, I just knew that I would, that he was going to switch. Yeah. From House of the Thousand Corpses with barely no flashing in it no. to, okay, that worked out pretty good. Now let's do this one and put a lot of flashing in it, and I was right. Well, if you're talking the gunshots. No, not the gunshots. The explosions. They yeah. were more flashing explosions than regular movies that I watch with explosions. Okay. 
So I knew it, and when I first saw it, I ended up having a seizure attack. Well, he saw it uh, before I did, yeah. so I didn't know. He didn't tell me until afterwards, um, which that was a conversation not for kids to hear. <laughs> I say, boy, you should have fucking said something. And not, and not for other people to listen to. <laughs> Um, now he actually takes my word for it. If I see a horror movie, I test it first. If there's no flashing, I let him know. And he takes my word for it. Um, Devil's Rejects, I did like. Um, I did like to an extent. Which, in my grade for horror movies, that's at least a three. Compared to House of Thousand Corpses, I gave that bitch a five. The second one, the second part of the trilogy, I gave it a three. I enjoyed it, but not something I want to put in my collection for horror movies. The third installment, Three from Hell, um, the reason I was watching it, because, like I said, I like. I said with the seat with Mike's uh, seizure condition. I watched it first to see if there was going to be any of that. There's not any flashing. There's a there's a lot of uh, different uh, camera angle cuts, um, which you actually learned in college when it comes to film. No, I learned that in high school. Huh? I learned that in high school. Yeah, the, this camera angle cutting going from one scene and going to the next, that's yeah. something you learn in, in college. Yeah, if you want to get really more creative and more advanced, yes. Yeah. I've done the same thing in high school because uh, my high school had a uh, TV station just for the school. Yeah. And that's how I learned my own ways of doing things, and it was beautiful. They loved it. Yeah. So I learned that part. I mean, the fl I mean, the only thing I saw, but if you want to talk like flashing, it's gunshots. But it's not like uh, rapid uh, gunshot uh, flashes that you see in a freaking war film. It's just in a cin cinematic. Um, it was okay. I'm giving it basically, and a couple of my friends on Facebook suggested, you know, for me to give my ra my rating for uh, three three from hell. Um, I like the cinematography. It's um, the story of it. It's a little confusing. Um, due to fact. The beginning of it, it's sort of like a catch-off of Devil's Rejects. When the at the end of Devil's Rejects, there's the rap, there's the freaking fire line, and the freaking camera went went to black, and it just stopped. And I hate that shit. If you're gonna do a fucking horror movie, up to the very end, where there's a standoff of cops and fucking psychos, you don't. 
stop the film, then cut it to black. That ir that irks me, because then you're wondering what the what the fuck. Um. So it's sort of like cut off on that, but they gave a like little backstory. A little bit. Um. I mean, the old guy that was playing like the clown in Devil's Rejects, he dies. Uh, Which, in actuality, in real life, he did pass away. Yeah, I know. Just like another one, um, Dustin Diamond passed oh, away yeah, yeah. as well. A.K.A. Screech from Saved by the Bell. That's the only thing. That's the only active thing that that guy got. <laughs> After that, he wasn't really any, worth anything. Yeah, he died of cancer. So, um, he's gone. The... Uh, older guy. Um, I forget his name, but he looks like Rob Zombie, though. Uh, I think his name's Bill Mosley, but I could be wrong. But he's a tall, what looks like 6'5", at least. He's... He, obviously, he escapes from prison through the help of a... Um, shocker, half-brother. That springs him out. And, um... Trying to think. The... They try to, like, um... There's sort of, like, a bit of a... Sort of, like, a hostage situation, like, similar. Uh, from... It's basically, like, a throwback to... House of Thousand Corpses. Um... And of course, they had a little person in it. Um, I forget what his name is, um, but he's been in a few movies. He en ends up liking the three, liking the psychos. He actually falls for the for Sherry Zombie in the in the movie, and. Uh, Let's see. It's it, it towards the end. It's like a little bit comical. Um, everybody knows sword fights and sword fighting in movies. When has anybody heard of a sword fight with machetes? <laughs> I mean, that was actually pretty decent. Um, but. The story, I mean, I watched it from beginning to end, and I kind of saw, it's one of those, uh, if you watch it from beginning to end, you either get the whole thing, or you're left wondering, okay, what the hell are they doing? Where's the direction in this film? That's what I got. Um, so, ultimately, give me like a two and a half. For my rating, I mean, the acting's pretty good. Um, the cinematography, well, more like cinematography's good. And the acting is just that cutting from a part or a scene and then doing a freeze frame and 
taking it to a different scene, it's a little confusing. It confused the hell out of me. So, I, I give that two and a half. Huh. So, the rest of the news stories that I have in my emails are are mainly are mainly entertainment from movies to music artists the whole thing um, in fact one of the I'm gonna actually start off with places from fairy tales and fiction that actually exist Due to fact, there's 31 of them. Then we'll go through the uh, paratainment news. Legendary landscapes. From en enchanting castles and haunting ruins. To emotive, emotive landscapes shrouded in myths and folklore. Some of the greatest works of fiction and enduring fairy tales are based on real world places. Hannibal, Missouri. Obviously, U.S. Not Hannibal the movie. The protagonist, which Hannibal, Missouri, is a place where the protagonist of Mark Twain's The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn come from the fictional small town of St. Petersburg in Missouri which was based on his own childhood hometown in, of Hannibal. Jackson's Island, an uninhabited river isle, which lies just off the riverside town, is also a central location in the tales. Most of the action in these classic stories takes place on and by the shores of the mighty Mississippi River, as their adventures take the characters through Illinois Kentucky and Arkansas. That shit you actually learn in high school when it comes to literature. Or actually you should. Dartmoor, Devon, England in UK. Now I'm gonna let that fester for a few seconds. I'll explain what it means if you don't know. The granite tour Tars, swirly mist, and mysterious mires, or bogs, of Dartmoor formed the, bro uh, the brody backdrop for one of the most famous Sherlock Holmes tales. Now, Parabike, doing English, he's talked about Sherlock Holmes stuff he had to learn. So I'm going to ask him, pretty sure some people might know what it is. Go ahead. Sherlock Holmes, one of the most famous Sherlock Holmes tales. It should be kind of up your house because you're sort of into mystery. I wasn't really into Sherlock Holmes that much. But you learned it. And there was some of the... You've told me there was some of the uh, stuff you had to learn was actually pretty, fun, pretty cool. Yeah, it was, but... It I'll was... give you a hint. It's also a movie. 
<laughs> like I said, I wasn't really a Sherlock Holmes okay. person. The Hound of Baskervilles. I never knew that one in high school. That's one of the top Sherlock Holmes stuff you learn in English. No. Or literature. No. I never had what literature. What fucking high school did you go to? <laughs> I went to Spring... I had to fucking learn that shit. I went to Springfield High School. Yeah. The Eagles. And we don't have literature like that in in my school. Well, they teach that shit in Eagles classes. Not really. Anyway. I only learned uh, about Tales of Two Cities. Yeah. It was an okay book, just boring as hell. <laughs> it was like, where's the fun? Where's the action? Where's the mystery? None. Well, how the Baskervilles is plenty of that. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle spent time walking on the Devonshire Marlands in 1901 before writing his thriller about hellish hounds. The stirring and often foggy landscape is steeped in local legends and folklore, which also inspired Doyle's dark tale. Actual loca locations said to feature include the swampy Fox Tor Mire, the inspiration for the story's uh, Grimpen Mire. So basically, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, of course, there is some mystery like, is Sir Arthur Conan Doyle really Sherlock Holmes that wrote the books? I mean, I know there's, uh, it's in Connecticut, but I think, uh, you might know, Paramike, it, it's in Connecticut, but it's almost like a castle that's supposed to be, like, one of the places Sherlock, the, Sherlock Holmes, the writer, spent. And I know that's in Connecticut. I just forget where. <laughs> I mean, you see it when you go on a freaking murder cruise thing. He's thinking. I can't fucking remember. <laughs> it's been way too damn long. Okay. Here's another one. And some people who don't know this, who do know this, you know they're kind of nerds. When it comes to fantasy movies and fantasy stuff. Ladder Brunen Valley, Switzerland. The inspiration for J.R.R. Tolkien's Elfish Kingdom of Rivendell, Rivendell was Ladder Burden Valley, an enchanted place of uh, majestic mountains, forested dells, and crashing waterfalls in Switzerland. The author traveled, traveled there in 1911. And its dramatic beauty left a lasting impression on him. In a letter to his son, he acknowledged that the region, late, region later informed his vision for Rivendell. The Verdant Valley was part of his fa uh, fantastical Middle Earth, which features in both The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, I didn't see the movie base of The Hobbit after the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I was done with it. But The Hobbit, I remember watching as a kid, was an animated movie. Not something most kids should watch, because there is fighting and people dying in an animated movie. Of course, that's back in the 80s. Mm. And looking at it, I could tell... I could tell... I mean, looking back on it, I can't find any of the... any parts of it. But... It's more of like a freakish... type of horror. Uh, for an... I would say like a horror animated kids movie. Uh, when I first uh, saw The Hobbit. I mean, I used to watch, you know, fucking Disney. Then, uh, about a few years later, came to the, uh, to King of the Ring. Uh, not King of the Ring. Uh, Return of the King. Which, people saw in the first, in the last of the um, Lord of the Rings trilogy movies. But there was no Friendship of the Ring, Two Towers, and Return of the King. The one I remember that's animated is Return of the King. That's what I've remembered. Seeing it in a different form when Lord of the Rings started coming out, is, I mean, when I first saw each film, yeah, they were good. It was different. But at the same time, it fell on fantasy. And if you're, if with Comic-Con, or cons that are, like, specific, specific cons, like, uh, like, uh, I don't know, Horror-Con, uh, comic, regular Comic Con, Wizard Con. Wizard Con, I think, is what leads to the fa fantasy type when it comes to like those type of con shows. I mean, they were good. I mean, the first one, it kind of lagged for me. Uh, but the two towers, I liked. Especially you got the guy playing the dwarf and Orlando Bloom bickering over who could kill the most. Which is fun. Um, I think I just heard people go, wait, Orlando Bloom was in Lord of the Rings? Yes! All three of them! Brad Dourif. Also in Two Towers. As Wormtongue. But... You didn't know it because they didn't show any of his any of his scenes in in the uh, previews. They kept that hidden. Now, you grew up as a Brad Dourif fan before Chucky, before he became legitimately Chucky. And last episode, Pear Mike even mentioned he's a one hell of an actor. And has a lot of credits to his fucking name. Even though some things he was uncredited for. Which is bullshit. 
Um, which, of course, comes to the fact he plays a, an assassin in a sort of like a sci-fi sci-fi sci fantasy movie Doom. Which he's only on for like, I don't know, a couple of scenes and then he dies. From that I think from that role, he got casted as someone who plays a villain. Which, yeah, I can see that, see, understand why he was characterized as someone who could play a villain. But, not all of his movies, he's a villain. For example, Curtis Four, he wasn't a villain in it. He was playing a co the computer nerd. Um, so, you kind of see, if you look at his bio, I mean, I had every, every movie that Brad Dourif is in, it's just, the D, the DVDs when we moved down here all got fucked. Um, you see him progress in each film. His first film ever. He was with, which I'm actually going to ask Paramount, because it's sort of like a, like retraining of the brain, when it, when it comes to remembering, because I have to do that, even if he hates it. He was in a movie, his first movie, where he got nominated for Academy Award, uh... Nominated and won the Br a British award, and nominated as an Oscar, and he was with Jack Nicholson in it. <laughs> and Jack Nicholson plays uh, a sex sex fanatic, but who fights a lot. He gets put into a uh, hospital situation. I want to say anger management. Now, that was years later. Brad, Brad Dorff wasn't in anger management. Brad Dorff, uh, his first movie, he plays a patient. And uh, Jack Nicholson ends up being in the same place he's in. One flew over the cuckoo's yes. nest? Yes. Okay. That's Brad Dorff's first movie ever. I mean, um, you go, you see him from that, and you see him in other roles, especially what uh, one role, Chain Dance, where he plays a quadriplegic. Um, that time goes by, he's in TV shows. Uh, he is in one ep one episode of Murder She Wrote. I don't know what season it is. I just know he's in one episode, one of the episodes, where he plays a freaking priest or a uh, traveling reverend or something. Uh, the then you kind of go into the eighties. I mean, Critters, I believe, came out in the late seventies. And Critters 4 came out in the mid in like the early 80s. 
then in uh, 88 he plays in a movie with Whoopi Goldberg as a bad guy but he's also a drug lord mm. and which is Fatal Beauty then you go from Fatal Beauty and then Chucky's born I mean, he's done other stuff in between those movies. I mean, if you're talking Chucky, you're, you're only hearing him. You're not seeing him, you're hearing his voice. But people actually, if they have an imagination, they can actually see him through his voice through a doll. When... He was in two, Lord of the Rings Two Towers. I was fucking shocked. I mean, I could, I saw his face, but of course he had makeup on. And he changed his voice a little bit, for uh, almost like an accent. But. Where, but to see where he comes to, where uh, Gandorf comes in front of him with the staff, then you hear the gr the grunt that he does, and you hear it. I said, "Holy shit! This fucker's really good of an actor." I didn't know that was him. Paramike didn't even think I was right until I showed it to him. And he is not a Lord of the Rings fan either. Snore! <laughs> you weren't snoring when the guy playing the dwarf and the Land of Bloom are bickering who could kill the most. You were laughing. Anyway, there is a boat, there is a type of. When Lord. When, uh. Return of the King came out on DVD. There's, I believe, a limited extended edition where he's in the beginning of it, but he dies. I could be wrong, but I know that's on one of those types. Anyway, going on. Mount Olympus in Greece. If you don't know what Mount Olympus means in Greece, you really don't know your 90s. You don't. The highest mountain in Greece, Mount Olympus, was the mythical home of mighty Zeus, king of the gods, and the other 11 Olympian gods and goddesses. In ancient Greek mythology, its summit, uh, Matikis, was known as the Pathian. And it was here that the... Oh, God. I'm going to butcher this one. Uh, capricious... I think I said that right. Deities were said to convene to discuss a squabble over a, a session... Uh, Take a drink, one shot. I stumbled. Celestial matters in, in humankind. 
the nine muses, the daughters of Zeus, were believed to reside at the foot of the mountain. It's possible to hike up the peak to enter this sacred realm. Of course, we all know, if you've seen Hercules, Legendary Journeys, as well as Xena, that's actually made in New Zealand. Oh, God. If you don't know this next one, you really don't know your shit literature, and you need to start reading a book. Or go back to reading books. Sherwood Forest. Nottinghamshire, England, UK. I'll give you uh, a few seconds. <laughs> yes, dear. Robin Hood! <laughs> Man in fucking dikes! Well, that's one version. Leafy Sherwood Forest. That's what he said. That's what she didn't say. <laughs> in Nottinghamshire is ex... In ex... Bleh. Two shots of stubble twice. In extra... Uh, inextricably, inextricably, three shots linked with one of England's most enduring folklore tales that the legendary outlaw Robin Hood, who stole from the rich and gave to the poor, theories about abound as to the truth behind the tale, but whether Robin existed or not. The forest has a far-reaching history as a royal hunting forest that was used by many Norman kings, including King John and Edward I. The vast and ancient Major Oak, said to be where Robin and his band of merry men took shelter, is now a visitor attraction. Okay. Morn Mountains, down, County Down, Northern Eng Northern Ireland, in the UK. Few fictional realms are as uh, ev evocated as C.S. Lewis's Narnia, uh, with its heathen, uh, heathery mountains. Thymy Downs, Many Rivers, Plashing Glens, Mashi Caverns, and Deep Forests. As he described, described it in his fifth Narnia Chronicle, The Horse and His Boy. Um, that's what he said. That's what she not said. Born and raised in Northern Ireland. The author was greatly influenced by the scenery around him, including the bewitching Morn Mountains in County Down, with its, with its lush valleys, uh, brooding granite tours, and ether ethereal lows, 
or Mavs, however you want to pronounce it. It's easy to imagine giants, dwarves, and wicked queens roaming the dramatic landscape. Okay. Narnia's Chronicle books, eh, was not into them. Even though the guy, okay, he was the best author. But you can't beat, he can't beat Bram Stoker. Bram Stoker's from fucking Ireland, too. <laughs> Troy, Turkey. It's now widely agreed by historians that the ill-fated city of Troy, from Homer's, the Laid, actually existed. The Greek poet's vivid depiction of the almost impetrable walled city and its noble citizens, who were besieged for ten years, making it one of the most famous cities in classical literature. Helen, Paris, King Priam, I didn't stutter, that's King, King Priam, and Brave Hector may be mythical, but Troy was not in the ruins of the Bronze Age settlement, could still be seen today as the archaeological site of Hiserlik. That's what he said! <laughs> that's what she did! Which sits on the Hukak? Hukak? <laughs> That's what he didn't call it. <laughs> what? I wonder about that one now. What's well, Lily spelled K U C U K? Hukak? Hukak <laughs> is what he said. <laughs> Mandaris River, near the mountain of the Darlanias, uh, Dar Dardaniels, sorry, in Turkey. I know I'm gonna have to butchering this one. Get your shots and your fucking drinks ready. We quite here. Requiem, Alcassie, France. I'm not gonna even try to repeat that shit. Strolling around this Alcastian town is like walking right onto a Disney set. Blech! That's what I think. Except that Requiem is completely a authentic. If it looks familiar, that's because it is. Disney animators visited the medieval village when filming the latest version of the fairy tale Beauty and the Beast, which was originally written by 18th century French writer Gabrielle Suzanne Barbeau de Villeneuve. That's a long ass name. Their creative vision for Belle's hometown was undoubtedly inspired by its colorful half-timbered houses, cobblestone marketplace with a fountain, and ch church spires. Ah, uh, okay, I just mentioned this. 
Brand Castle, Romania. Set atop a rocky precipice in the southern Carpathians. This formidable 14th century castle is often linked with Bram Stoker's fictional Count Dracula. <laughs> Dracula wasn't really fictional. He was a real fucking person. <laughs> Which I'm related to. <laughs> Although the writer... Blah, 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 blah. My great-grandfather did not do blah, blah, blah. I was quoting the movie uh, Transylvania. Oh, okay. <laughs> bleh, bleh, bleh. Although the writer didn't visit Transylvania, a region steeped in centuries-old tales of vampires and werewolves, he did get the inspiration for his Debanar vampire from 15th-century Romanian prince, Vlad the Impaler, Vlad... Uh, Vlad III Dracula, or Vla Vlad the Third Dracula, which, if you're Romanian, you know it's called Dracul. Brand Castle near Brazov has become associated with the Victorian era novel, mostly due to its location and wonderful architecture which ticks all the right gothic boxes. And the castle I'm looking at, even though it's they're calling it uh, Ron Castle, is actually one of my ancestors' castles. He's had more than one. But I'm not saying which one. Whitby Abbey, Yorkshire, England, UK. Another eerie structure in Dillibly uh, linked with Stalker's Dracula is Whitby Alley. Is Whitby Abbey. The ruins of the uh, Benedictine monastery that loom above the windswept headland of the craggy Yorkshire coast. Bram Stoker stayed in the East Side town in 1890 while researching his novel. He would almost certainly have heard tales of a shipwreck that happened off the coast five years earlier. It was a Russian vessel called the Dmitri, which came from Narva. This was to become the Demeter from Varna that carries Dracula, Dracula to Whitby in Stoker's story, and it also was in Rosasawin um, Mel Brooks's version. Dracula dead and living it. The Yorkshire Myers, England, UK. The wild and bleak scenery of the York. Yorkshire Mars or Moors, however you want to pronounce it, are central to Emmy Bronte's Withering Heights. All the Bronte siblings were both inspired and oppressed by the haunting beauty of the Mars. 
that edged their isolated home in Haworth, West Yorkshire. Yorkshire. I'm saying it the way I want to say it. The ruined farmhouse of Top Withens, which looms out of the broading moorland nearby the Bronte Parsonage. I wish I could get away from that stupid damn name, Parsonage. It's thought to have been the inspiration of Heathcliff's dwelling and Emmy's haunting masterpiece. Possibly. <laughs> Castle Frankenstein, Germany. Supposed inspiration from Mary Shiley's 19th century horror novel, the spooky ruins of Castle Frankenstein sit above the Rhine Valley within the Odenwald mountain range. After eloping to Europe, the young writer and her husband, Piercy Bicey, Bashi Shiley, or Shelley, however you want to pronounce it, traveled back to England by riverboat through Germany and passed near the castle. It's thought she may have heard the tales of an alchemist and alleged gravedigger who experimented in finding the elixir of life and once lived in the foreboding looking fortress. Possibly, but also looked like a movie set. Ashdown Forest. In England and the UK. Sadly, you won't bump into a bumbling bear, timid piglet, or a gloom donkey on a walk around Ashdown Forest. But you will see people playing poo sticks. That's what he said. That's what she got. Off the bridge near Chuck Hatch. In honor of Winnie the fucking goo Pooh. <laughs> Which, whose adventures were based in this vocalic part of East Sussex. Double A, Milnai's hundred acre wood was inspired by the heath and woodland which he lived near and visited often with his son, Christopher Robin. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the illustrator, E.H. Shepard, also used the Rolling Hill Wheeled Forest as inspiration. Now a walking trail takes hikers around some of Pooh's haunts. <coughs> I didn't treat because that's... Nope. I don't know why people think with Disney Winnie the Pooh's justified. If you got anybody with the last name Pooh, he is not fucking Disney. I don't give a shit. Or a Pooh. King's Cross Station. In the England, UK. Okay, so platform three, uh, platform nine three fourths may not actually exist. Aside from a plague outside the memorabilia shop to lure Potter fans, are you kidding? Oh, okay, but the Grand Victorian Station has a starring role in J. 
J.K.'s Rowling's, J.K. Rowling's Harry Pothead series, the books, as well as the freaking movies, probably. There is, this is where Harry Pothead, Rod, Har Harmony, I think that's how she, her name's pronounced, come to pass through the, the portal into Hogs Met. Made station to catch the Hogwarts Express to Hogwarts, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. The castle-like boarding school is said to have been inspired by the striking turrets of George Harriet's School, Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Handily, you can catch a direct train to from King's Cross. Okay. Tintangle. Tintangle. Exactly how it's said. England in the UK. Brilliant, solitary, and rugged, the vacative ruins of Tintangle. Castle lies scattered around a wind whipped heat headland of the North Cornish coast. The site is linked with King Arthur, thanks to medieval author Geoffrey of uh, Monmouth. <coughs> That's Monmouth. It's actually how the guy. What the I believe this the country is, my mouth, which I think my mother's half uh, half brother is from. I think I know he's from England, but I don't care. I don't care where. Fucking stooge. Anywho, as the place. That's the place where the legendary king of the Dark Ages was conceived. The ruins are from a 13th century castle, but Tintagil's rich history dates from the, the, the 5th to the 7th centuries, when it was an important Cornish, Cornish stronghold. Now an imposing bronze statue clutching a sword commands the cliffside. That ain't bronze. Okay. Hilltop Farm, England. In the UK. Beatrix Potter's magical tales and drawings of Peter Rabbit. Peter fucking Rabbit! And his friends have captivated children for generations. Not me. She often vacationed in the Lake District and, after enjoying some success, went on to invest in farmland in the region, including Hilltop Farm in near Saray. It went on to become a feature in many of her tales, and she bequeathed, bequeathed it to the National Trust. 
Them, that's what he said. <laughs> that's what she did from the rear end. Queefed. The charming house remains exactly as Pothead left it, as does the veg vegetable garden. With its beehive, they could stay over there. Flower pots and old-fashioned garden tools. Visitors have half expect to encounter an angry, angry Mr. McGregor as they explore. Alrighty then. Anst, Scotland. Okay, now we're going to Scotland. Do you mind, Patches? You're hitting my mic stand. With its frothing seas, soaring cliffs, and grassy plains, it's easy to see how Unst is basically U-N-S-T. That's how, it, how it's spelled. That's how it's said. Could fire up the imagination. The solitary, the solitary Shetland Isle, the most northerly island in the UK, is said to have been a source of inspiration for Robert Louis Stevenson's skele Skeleton Island. A lot for his for his classic tale of Adventure Treasure Island. And that would be before the Muppets uh, became there was a Muppets Treasure Island. When he was yet when he was young, the Scottish writer occupied his father, who was a lighthouse engineer to inspect one of his lighthouses in Unst. Gozo Malta. I didn't stutter, it's really, it's really Gozo. Several places that appear in the ancient Greek poet Homer's epic poem, The Odyssey, are thought to have real-life locations in the Mediterranean. The Odyssey, not anywhere related, not anywhere near Billy, uh, oh, what was his name? Who did the song Odyssey? I actually forget, and I'm actually a rock person. Mm, I know he it's did. the he one was, that passed away recently. Yeah, he he didn't pass away recently. He passed away a few, quite a few a few years ago. Yeah. I know he was in Latin. Your, your adopted father died two, uh, passed away two days later. Yeah, uh, that's who I'm it? trying to think. Because I know he was in the movie Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, was it Billy Idol? No, Billy no. Idol's still alive. No. I know his name is Billy. I forgot now. Damn. Oh, wait. He wrote the uh, insert message in, in the beginning of the Breakfast Club. I know it's not Bill, Billy Idol. I know he's still alive. Which is one of the movies I have. Now. 30th anniversary. One of them, one of them is the Enchanted Island Ogi... Okay. I don't think I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to read it the way it's, I'm seeing it spelled. Ogigia, 
Where the nymph Cospo saw uh, Odysseus captive for years. Its relocation is laid claim to be a few places, including the Crocian Isle of Milget and Gozo in Malta, the Colpso Cave in the latter, set inside a cliff overlooking the island's Ramla Bay, is said to be where the smitten nymph imprisoned the embattled Greek hero. Let's see. The uh, Cyclopean Isles, Sicily, Italy. Another real-life location linked to Homer's The Odyssey is the three giant jagged sea stacks that loom out the sea off Sicily's east coast. They're said to be the great pinnacles that the single-eyed giant Polymephus tore from a from an island and hurled as and hurled at Odysseus and his, and his crew as they fled from the island of the Cyclops of their sh on their ship. Known locally as the Cyclop Cyclopean Isles, the striking rock formations can be spied spied just off the shore from the east side from the seaside village of Akitraza. Elaine Shona, Scotland, UK. Oh god, I really gotta quote this from a goddamn movie. Second to the right, straight on till fucking morning. Hold on. What? The person you were talking about that did Odyssey? Yeah. That passed away in 2016? Yeah. David Bowie. Okay, thank you. That's the one. Because I just, you know, typed in... To the search engine death list of 2016. Yeah. And I went through uh, IMDb because they have okay. a list of it. Yeah. And it should. I found him, and it said Labyrinth as okay. a soundtrack. So I clicked on it, and there's a video of him with this long blonde hair, this makeup that looks that kind of looks like what. Um, yeah, he was like a sci-fi nerd. Katya would wear, but more Trixie. Okay, yeah. So that's the one of Space Odyssey. Okay. And I can't believe I'm actually quoting this from a fucking movie. But I'm gonna give it my spin. Second to the right and straight on to fucking morning. That's what he said and didn't want. She just didn't say nothing. Is where you'll find Neverland. Or so Peter Pan tells Wendy. Which I'm actually going to say, there are many different variations of Peter Pan. I know this. I know that much. Which most people don't realize. There are many variations of Peter Pan. Many. But, there is a striking resemblance to Peter Pan and the Pied Piper. 
Pied Piper used the fucking flute. And so don't Peter Pan, who knows how to blow a flute. But its real world location is mere earth is more earthly. Elaine Shona, a tiny isle off on the west coast of Scotland, is thought to have inspired J.M. Barry's uh, fantastical land. The Scottish playwright and author rented the island for a vacation and wrote the screenplay for Peter pa Peter fucking Pan while staying there. It's now an exclusive island retreat owned by the Divorox Branson family, so you can stay there too. How about now? Long Island, New York City. In the U.S., of course. The fictional townships of West Egg and East Egg that appear in F. Scott Fred, uh, Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby are based on Long Island's King's Point and Sands Point. J. J. Gatsby's fictional home was the King's Point from where he stared across the water towards the green light of Daisy Bot Bot bleh. Take a drink and stumble twice. So two shots. Bachanin's house. The real life grand uh, resistance of Land's End, which inspired the home of Daisy, has since been demolished. But Sands Point may has many ostentatious mountains mansions, which seem to, to step straight from the pages of the Jazz Age era novel. Hamlin, Germany. Hamlin is another place connected with the Grimm's fairy tales. All crooked timbered houses and little lanes and lower Saxony town is the setting for the tale of the Pied Piper, which I mentioned with Peter fucking Pan. A story inspired by medieval folklore. And trust me, Grimm's fairy tales actually talk about how real fairy tales are. Are made and that Disney it's their own little spin on those very same fairy tales. So Disney decided to break it to uh, some of the little kitties who, who are hearing from some parents who don't care. Disney is not all that happy. It certainly embraces its legendary status with rat trails marking the way to various Piper-themed attractions. It's one of the many locations on a 375-mile, that's 603 kilometers, fairy tale route, a route, through some of, some of hilltop villages, cobblestone towns, and dark forests that influence the Grimm's dark and magical tales. Kerala, India. 
with its uh, languorous and sensuous descriptions of the mangrove-lined rivers and sleepy backwaters of Kerala. The god of small things. That's what he. Ha that's what he said. And she cried over it. Debut novel of writer Aran Hate Roy put the southern Indian state firmly on the tra travel map. The author spent most of her childhood on the tropical east side coast and based her 1997 Booker Prize winning novel around the village of uh, Ainaman in the Katayam district where she lived. I think I just sprained my tongue on that one. Sleep Heath, England, UK. The Wessex that forms the backdrop of many of Thomas Hardy's novels was named after the old Anglo-Saxon kingdom with fictional towns and villages. Inspired by real places in southwest England, Hardy was born in Dorchester, Dorset, and wrote many of his early novels at his thatched cottage on the edge of Thorncombe Woods, which opens onto Heathland. The fictional Ecton Heath setting for the, the return of the native was Sleep Heath, a, a dramatic heathland now owned by the National Trust. The old cataract hotel in Egypt set, set high on the banks of the Nile in Aswan. The old cataract hotel looks like it has a tale or two to tell. And that it does. It's hosted numerous celebrated guests over the decades, including a playwright novelist, including uh, a great playwright novelist, Agatha Christie, who's very well known for her uh, playwright uh, mysteries. I've done a couple of those. Which lasting, whose lasting fascination with the, with the country influenced her writing? She stayed there when researching death on a Nile and set parts of her Hercule Pirat, Pirat, Pirat mystery here and near history there or mystery there, sorry. Two shots and half a chug. And nearby temple Abu Simbel the grand 19th century building was also used as a location for the 1978 movie of the detect of the detective novel. Today, guests of the Sofitel legend Old Cataract Hotel can book into the Agatha Christie suite. I wonder if she haunts that. Mienfeld Switzerland, with its green meadows, tinkling goat bells, 
That's what he said. <laughs> he got a lot of t goat bells tickled. That's what she likes. Well, he also likes he, too. <laughs> <laughs> Mienfeld was the setting for Johannes Spirey's classic childhood story, Heidi. Which version? Shirley Temple version or the animated? Set in the late 19th century, it centers of a little orphan girl who is, who is sent up into the Swiss Alps to stay with her grandfather in a humble wooden chalet. Now, fans of the quaint stories can step back into a world at Heidi's village, which sits above the historic town in the uh, Bunder Hersheft, this Hersheft, Region of Brabandi, complete with replica chalet, classroom, and barn with goats and chickens. Cartagena, uh, Colombia. Colombia imbues the pages of, Ge of Gabriel Garcia Marquez's evocative novels. And although it's never mentioned by name, the Caribbean or Caribbean city of Cartagena appears often. When writing as a reporter in 1949, Marquez was sent to the Santa Clara convent to cover the story of a craft being uncovered during an excavation. It inspired his book of Love and Other Demons. Now a hotel, the former convent has a special hall in memory of the Pilzer Prize-winning novelist. His seafront house also appeared in Love in the Time of Flora. Walking tours now take fans around his old haunts and book locations in the old walled in the old walled port city. Okay, okay, so this guy that I just read was actually a romance novelist that used uh, supernatural stuff in his romance novels. Interesting. Svalbard, Norway. I know I put your dad to me. Ugh. With polar bears outnumbering humans, majestic mountains, surreal glaciers, and stark mining towns, the far-flung Arctic archipelago of Svalbard is one of the many real-life locations, given a magical edge in Philip Pullman's uh, fantasy trilogy, His Dark Materials. Okay. This is where heroine Lyra Bellacqua comes on her journey to the far north to rescue her friend Roger. Seek advice from the witches and enlist the help of armored polar bear Lorek Barnison, 
Cinderella Boralis dance above this icy Norwegian wilderness. Really, it's like seeing it, seeing into another world. Sabberg uh, Castle in Germany, built in the 14th century as a royal hunting lodge. The hilltop Sabberg Castle allegedly formed the basis for the Grimm Brothers' fairy tale Sleeping Beauty. Written in 1812. They lived in the nearby city of Kazel and would have known and would have known of these evocative ruins that lay surrounded by the deep forests of Reihertswald. Uh, uh, no. Okay, I know I'm going to butcher this one. No, Swaldswoodstein. I think I just sprained my tongue. No, Swaldswoodstein Castle in Germany. Perched high in the Bavarian Alps. No, Schwanstein Castle is utterly enchanting with its fairy tale white facade and blue, and blue painted turrets. It was the inspiration for Walt Disney's imagining of Sleeping Beauty, ca of Sleeping Beauty Castle in Disneyland, California, after the animator visited it while on vacation in southern Germany. Built in 1868 by the eccentric king of Bavaria, Ludwig uh, II, it was meant to be a grand recreation of Hoke Oh God. Hohenzollernigu <laughs> Castle. Hohenzollernigu. <laughs> I can't pronounce it, so that's what he said. <laughs> that's what he said to him, where he had spent his childhood. Now, it's the best. It's the most famous of all of Germany's picturesque palaces. And that's it for that story, finally. Uh, now, I'm going to take a breather. Paramike's going to do some urban legends. Before I get into the paratainment news. Okay. From urban legends... Now, most of you people may hear this name, and you'll probably either giggle or like, uh, how is this a legend in the paranormal? Because we all know down in Hawaii or anywhere that has, like, Chinese food or something, they always have tiki torches. This is called Tiki Tiki. Actually, Tiki Tiki's, uh, sounds like a Mexican drink. Actually, with maybe Native American ties, tiki tiki. Mm. Yeah. Most people call totem poles tikis. True, true. But you know, tiki tiki could be taken in so many various different ways. I don't know. You know, but the story is tiki tiki is the ghost of a Japanese schoolgirl 
all of that type of tiki tiki. Who roams the train stations at Japan, or of Japan, sorry. The A and the, uh, the O and the F look like an A and a T for me. I gotta clean my glasses. Good God. Due to the fact I had left out of here earlier today without my glasses, and I felt like an ass. In life, this girl was a scaredy cat, and people are always playing practical jokes on her. I would have shot them with a freaking Chinese star. <laughs> One day, at the train station, after school, her friends decided to put a... Oh, God. Chicago. Thank you. A bug that appears in the summer in Japan on her shoulder. Sadly, this turned out to be a fatal prank. She was so scared she fell off the platform and was hit by a... Shinkansen, fastest train in Japan. Thank you. Or in other terms, a fucking bullet. Because that's what trains are, are looking like now. Yeah. Bullets. And her body was split in two. Ouch! Ouch. Well, what do you feel your pain? Uh, from my lower half up to my arms? Where's your other pain? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now she is haunting the train stations of Japan. Dragging herself with her elbows and sometimes her hands. Talk about elbow nitis. <laughs> Holy crap. She is known to kill people with her. Good God. Sclathe. Thank you. No, wait. Scott Scythe. Thank you. And split people in half with her harsh speed. Of the train to make her victims feel her pain. Ow! Her name is Tiki Tiki. Or. Better, better. Thank you. Sorry, words are hard for me. Because of the noises, the noise she makes when she is dragging herself around. From Okinawa. Yes. Ouch. Well, instead of uh, a splitting headache, a uh, splitting body in two? Yeesh. That might give me nightmares. Oh, uh, um. the one underneath it's interesting. Oh, good granny. <laughs> I didn't even see that one. Holy shit. Okay, we all know the stories and everything that's been going around about Slenderman. Yeah, even the damn movie. Meme. Ever since it became a freaking internet meme for uh, creepy pasta, creepy pasta. Yeah, and also been mentioned in Ghost Adventures one too many times. Well, the guys, the I think if I'm not mistaken, it's a manner where the guys, the ghost he's talking about, which Aaron sees, is like Slenderman. Of course, I think he's talking about the movie Slender, which I don't think is based on Slenderman. The it's way supposed his to be. face looks and the neck 
Right. It's and supposed he's to be. fucking gangly. Yeah, it's supposed supposedly supposed to be like that. Even um, on most Sargis. He's even talking about Slender Man. Yeah, but the place he, he mentioned. A couple. Uh, the place he bent to that he called Slender Man Forest is basically because of what it looks like. That and Slender Man's house. Which I have seen. Yeah, so haven't I. But I haven't seen on anybody else's. Like CJ Faison's and Dirty Sunny Deeds. And it was like. Well, Mo. Well, uh. Uh. Shit, what's his name? He, Mo's friends with uh, Omar. Yeah. He's uh, brought Omar there, but sort of like as a prank. Yeah, I know. That was <laughs> But that Thank was you. funny. <laughs> I, I was like, uh. Which one was the other one? I couldn't remember. I was thinking HTD, and then like, no, it can't be him. It's no. going to be somebody else. I thought it was Angelo, and then and there's like, Angelo no, not and, him. Uh, Think Rennie, but I don't think he has a show. No, Rennie just recently came back this year. Yeah, but he, Rennie from was an in injury. a lot of uh, Mo's stuff. Yeah, but then he he ended up getting injured and everything, and now he's just returning back. He with got hurt the crew. again. Um, and I was I was trying to think of Omar, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure on that. But. There is a YouTube video here. Unfortunately, I can't play it. Of course not. Because we do have a YouTube channel, and if I play it, I'll probably get copy striked. Just for playing it. But it goes on. The Slender Man is believed to be a man dressed in a black business suit. Like the ones worn in Men in Black. Yeah. And is about six feet tall. Shockingly, they say Men in Black... But they're also forgetting one other one. Secret Service. Not well, not those idiots. Uh, CIA, FBI. No, Men in Black is a movie. Yeah, no shit. Okay. <coughs> and I was thinking of a of a video game that I have called Hitman. Okay. That that guy is you know bald head and everything. He's oh, about six yeah, foot yeah, tall, yeah. and he wears yeah, a black Hitman. suit. Um, it goes on, the Slender Man was a man who was beat with a log. How the fuck can you beat somebody with a goddamn log? A big-ass tree? It's impossible. I'm pr- probably thinking that people are mistaking the, uh, the fucking log for a big-ass tree branch. Maybe. But, it goes on, he was stabbed with a two-foot stick and hung from a tree with his arms, hands, legs, and feet all pulled out of its sockets. That hurts my freaking shoulder blades. Good God. Surprised I didn't take the other leg (laughs) and pull it straight out. That would really screw you up. Although now it reminds me of a Ghost Adventures uh, episode. Uh, Almost like the same way of the long neck. Yeah. Gangly uh, arms. Edward Snowden. Oh. Edward Snowden. He had a long neck. Oh, it's, Snowden, yeah. It took, about, it took was... like 15 minutes before he cracked. That, well, actually, that was his neck. 
Yeah. He, had, he got actually strangled instead of being hung. The rest of his bo body parts are fucking still intact. Yeah, I know. But we're talking about the neck. Oh, the neck. Wrong. Yeah. Edward Snowden. Uh, goes on. The legend is that in the daytime, the Slender Man will most likely show up in open areas with trees to the side of an open, empty road or in the woods or any area filled with trees. I call bullshit on that one. <laughs> Most reports from survivors of the Slender Man say at night he shows up in open windows, dark open rooms, blank TV screens, and in large crowds of people. The Slender Man only kills kids younger than 16. Mm. Mm. On one hand, I want to call shenanigans. On the other hand, it's bullshit. Yeah. But who knows? There are ways to toy with him. But you may be risking your own death. His arms, legs, fingers, and toes will stretch so that he is up to 34 feet tall with a bone-breaking sound. Okay, we went from 6 feet to now 34 feet tall. Imagination. Either that or somebody's trying to freebase the story. That or they're, uh, mis that or they're, uh, do, they're like talking like freaking Freddy Krueger. Because mm. he actually knows, can do that. Yeah. If he appears to you, turn away. He has the power to control your body. When you wake up, you will be tired. Tied up. Oh, sorry. Tied up, laying down in the woods where he was killed. A 547-pound log will be hanging over your head. That's a big freaking heavy tree. Yeah. He will ask you a question. If you get the answer right, he will break both your arms and legs. How the hell does that work? Don't know. If you answer the question correctly, Slenderman breaks both your arms and legs? Mm -hmm. Normally, if you answer a question correctly, they release your ass. <laughs> if you get the if you get it wrong, he will slowly stick his fingers down your neck and pulls out your heart. Now that I can understand. Yeah, there's other versions here too. That came from Detroit, Michigan. Oh God, other versions. I'm getting tired of seeing those. Let me see. There's one. There's two. There's three. 
three different versions. Great. This is gonna be fantastic. To and one of the pictures, as I just saw, looks like an alien wearing a black suit of Hitman. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to go up to the first, another version. I was walking home at 11.34 p.m. with my mates, and as we walked, one of us got a feeling that someone was following us. We had to go through the woods to get to my house. Over the hill and through the woods to grandma's house we get eaten. <laughs> my friends continued to worry but we kept going until my friend slowed and turned to take a picture of whatever was making the noises behind us. The flash revealed a tall, many limb limbered figure standing close by watching us. We started to run, and I was the only one from the group who made it home. That came from Bizal Green. Wherever the heck that country is. Don't know. Second version. I was walking home when I saw a strange shape near the woods. Being more curious than smart, I went in a little deeper. That's what he said. That's what she liked. To find what it was. I saw the tip of a man's of a man's fingers. Spell check, asshole. And as I looked behind a tree, I saw a man in the suit with skinny, multiple limbs coming out of his back. It sounds like Spring Hill Jack. It sounds like Spring... That sounds like Spring Hill Jack. It sounds like a nec necromorphic from one of my other games. I started to run, but his outstretched arms made me feel welcome. Okay, this, this version just took a free base. No shit. I started to step towards him. When I heard a scream and saw my little sister watching, I ran off with her, and every time I go near the woods alone, I see the tip of a man's hand. Fucking spell check. And this comes from Black Flods Flute. I don't even know how to pronounce that name. I think it's uh, Arabia or something. Oh. But it's B L A C K F A L D S. A B. Could be Alberta. I don't know. Mm, don't know either. And now the last one. Uh, supposedly this picture was taken March third, nineteen ninety. Yeah. And everything, and like I said, it looks like Hitman himself, but with an alien head. 
Um. Oh God, I can't remember. Derek Rodman. Thank you. Is German for the tall man. Sorry, I don't speak German. The tall man or slender man. And I like how they put it in quotations. No shit. Is a legend which won. Uh, excuse me. Which on. Which on the something awful forms a few years back as part of a photo manipulation contest. I don't think we had um, Photoshop back in 1990s. In the forums? Because <laughs> it'd be kind of hard to do that. So if we know the photo manipulation, uh, manipulations. Yeah, you can do that with Photoshop now. Yeah, I know that. Or any other type of uh, photoing manipulation programs you can use, but yeah. I don't think back in 1990 we actually had anything that would do photos. Although computers were just starting to come out too. Mm. Now the photos were faked. Well, no shit. Anybody can tell that that quick if you have March 3rd, 1990 on a photo. However, the supposed creator of the Slender Man, in quotations, reported later on that he could not remember ever posting information regarding the Slender Man in any way. Okay. Some other people claim to have seen or heard about the Slender Man long before in their lives or in legends dating back to the medieval period in human history. What? In other words, in England, in the UK, um, uh, a past guest that Dave Schrader had on Darkness Radio, when they were on the radio, the uh, he had a, a guest on there that spoke of Sp Spring Heel Jack, which is uh, supposed to be a version of Slender Man. Yeah, from, I remember that. Uh, years, years and years ago in yeah, England. I, yeah, I remember that. Now, I know about mid medieval period. Yeah. And I know they used to make torture devices. Yeah. And one of them happened to be one where you're tied to the damn thing and somebody with a hood or whatever over their face can conceal yeah. their identity would normally twist a big wheel that you see on pirate ships. That's great. And it'll just stretch you out. That's that too. But that was never called the Slender Man thing back oh. in medieval period in human history. Uh, goes on, uh, such as folklore concerning... D. Kroppman. Thank Dirk you. Thank you. 
Roaming the Black Forest. Okay, now we just went back to fucking Robin Hood. Uh, your Schwarzwald? That's not anywhere near there. Mmm, there's a Schwartz be with you. First of all, it's bigger than the ice. Mmm, I love to munch on it. <laughs> Sorry, getting a little stupid here. And snatching away children who disobey their parents. Hmm. That could be a scare tactic. Hmm. I wish we could snack away everybody. What? For uh, for committing crimes. A.K.A. Republicans, Democrats, lobbyists, everything else. <laughs> the myth goes on to state that the tall man was probably a child molester who was strung about the trees as punishment for his crimes. His spirit is said to have survived and continues to prey upon the young. That took a massive, massive direction change from the last one. The tall man, in quotations, is generally depicted as an unusual tall. He can grow to different heights, capable of blending in with the trees of a forest and completely bald figure sporting a business suit with either a red or a black tie. He has no eyes, nose, or ears and has a very wide grin running from one side of his face to the other, or no mouth at all. So let's go back to the original. Mm -hmm. It did say screaming, right? Something like that. This one says, or no mouth at all. Some people probably. Then how does. Hold on. People probably from the legends they've heard about, some probably heard of a mouth, some probably didn't hear of a mouth. But where would the scream come from is the question. If I mean, I could understand he having a mouth to scream, that's understandable, but this one here says, or no mouth at all, then how did they hear the screams? Hmm. Yeah, I guess as good as mine. In some cases, he is reported as having a hat. Testicles. Tentacles. Where do you get testicles from tentacles? Sorry, my eyes are shut. <laughs> or multiple limbs sprouting from his back, which he uses to ensnare? Grab. His prey. Oh, that would be a nephromorch. You know? Nah. Or a really bad alien movie that had uh, legs come out of its back. Or a really updated Resident Evil game. 
What makes Dirk Rotman so fearful is that his take a drink existence is questionable. <laughs> well, no, he can't. He may be real, or he may not be. Malarkey! Perhaps the majority who have encountered the tall man have never lived to tell the tale. In fact, fear for Slender Man may actually manifest him into your reality creating a bridge between fact and myth. I call it bullshit. <laughs> Literally. The tall man is commonly spotted hiding and lurking about in the fog when stalking his victims. Dirk Rothman usually befriends his children victims acting as an imaginary friend of sorts and is capable of luring them into forests at night with Psycho, psychokinetic powers, dear. Thank you. That's um, basically psychokinesis. That's what I was about to say. That's what I thought it was, it was saying, but then you said the other one. Thank you. From then on, the children walk mindlessly into the branching arms of... Dirk, Dirk Rodman. As he grins at their young faces. Never to be seen or heard of again a fate unknown some say these children are eaten taken to another dimension or quiet or quite quite sorry quite possibly worse again the myth varies Dear Grobman. I gotta get down here. Is said to be capable of slowing driving victims to madness. Can induce paranoia. If I said that right? Yeah. Give coughing fits to them. And can induce disorientation in dizziness, amnesia, and insomnia. I feel like that last part every day. <laughs> he is even said to be capable of visiting them in horrendous nightmares that vary from person from person. What the fuck? That sounds like fucking Freddy Krueger. Yeah, literally. Some victims are slowly driven in, driven to insanity by Dirk Rotman and are soon incapable of thought outside the realm of his fear. This induced insanity 
is said to weaken victims, making them more suspectable. If I said that right? Where are you? Um, insanity is said to weaken victims, making them more susceptible. Yep. To his control. Okay, so I did say it right. He loves to toy with his prey before finishing them off. Sounds like the cat and the mouse. <laughs> In some cases, victims become mindless minions for deer... Grab me. Working to bring in more victims to him for his satisfaction. These minions may plant listening devices in your home, follow you around without you being aware of it, and watch over you even as you sleep. If that ends up happening, I'm going to seriously shoot them to death. And clear up all the idiots out of here. Some say he can teleport. Oh, what? Oh, now we're going to go to Star Trek stuff, huh? And appear at multiple locations at the same time. I call bullshit on that one. <laughs> Although I've have heard heard multiple locations at the same time, like me. Supposedly I'm supposed to be in one place, but I'm like in like two or three other states at the same damn time. <laughs> Except I'm not that color. Uh, let's see. In some myths, he is able to distort electronic equipment. Quite. Possibly, to grab me is some electromagnetic entity. Electromagnetic. Magnetic. Sorry. Sorry. Big words are hard for me, especially when I haven't heard them in years. Uh, da, 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 da. Think you can kill or ambush him? That's a question. Here's the answer. Think again. With his psychokinesis, psychokinetic powers, Dirk Rotman can deflect bullets and other objects away from his body before impact. Okay, now we just went to the Matrix. <laughs> First we went Star Trek, then we went to something stupid and we went to da, 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 da. now we're going to Matrix. Okay. Ambush would also be quite impossible if you seen Dirk Rothman it is most likely that he is closely watching you and all of your actions. Failed attempts to strike at <laughs> Dirk Rothman with a weapon may be met with him obstructing your nervous system and disabling bodily functions making it ever more easy for him to finish you off. 
Hope you guys got a big ass diaper. <laughs> and due to the fact this thing keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder and it keeps freebasing so much, I'm not going to read the rest of it. I'm getting a headache from it. And my eyes are crisscrossing because my glasses are dirty. <sighs> okay, well, continue then. Sorry. Uh, Sorry, guys, I gotta go clean my glasses. Okay. This one, uh, back to, uh, paratainment news. I wanna fucking scream! Halloween director David Gordon Green in talks to direct Bloomhouse's The Exorcist sequel. How about fucking no? Halloween director David Gordon Green is in talks to direct Bloomhouse, or Blumhouse, and Morgan Creek Productions' upcoming sequel to The Exorcist. An individual with knowledge of the project told the war. Based on the novel of the same name by William Peter Blatley, or Blatley, 1973's The Exorcist was a landmark in horror cinema, breaking box office records on its way to a global haul of $441 million, more than $200 billion adjusted for inflation. It also became the first horror film nominated for Best Picture, so it naturally it spawned more films. Two sequels, released in 1977, 1990, and, and of course two prequels in 2004 and 2005. Bloomhouse fi the Bloomhouse film will be a sequel to the original film. It's not known if it will have any relationship to the other Exorcist films. Jason Bloom, or Blum, David Robinson, and James Robinson will produce the Exorcist sequel. How about fucking no? Leave the fucking classics alone. Just reading that, I find out about the fucking pr sequel coming out, even though the sequel came out before, or the sequels came out before. The prequels, you can't really count them sequels. I will actually go to the so-called sequel and shit all over it! <sighs> okay, next we got 21 artists to keep an eye on in 2021. That's music artists, people. From chance meetings with uh, veteran stars to song placements on TV hit series to viral sensations on social media, these are just some of the ways artists are planting seeds to become the next big thing. While some artists got their start in songwriting or producing for mainstream so stars, others are a few singles in and gearing up for their debut. As the shit sandwich of last year, the shit sandwich, I'm not saying the freaking year, I'm just calling it the shit sandwich. As the shit sandwich was quite the challenging year in the music industry and anything entertainment period, artists still found ways to get their music heard by the masses. With tour cancellations, fans were able to get familiar with opening acts like they normally would. Let's see. However, there are still a number of up-and-coming acts that created quite the buzz throughout the shit sandwich year. Let's see what this is, shall we? Victoria Monet. Um, Victoria Monet is far from a new artist by any means, as she has been releasing music since 2014. However, she is notably known as one of the most sought-out songwriters in the game, with writing credits for artists such as such as Fifth Harmony, Chloe X. Hall, Brandy, and her frequent 
uh, collaborator, Ariana Grande. However, Monet's latest EP, Jaguar, shows the singer tr truly coming into her own as a breakthrough artist. In addition to her pen game with singles such as Moments and Touch Me, that's what he doesn't want. She is set to release parts 2 and 3 to Jaguar as fans are anticipating the full-length album. Blexed? B-L-X-S-T. Blexed? Don't know. West Coast hip-hop is always trying to bring something new to the table. That's why newcomer Blix stands out. Over the past few years, he's been known to produce tracks for artists like Kendrick Lamar and YG. Don't know who that is. However, now he's ready to shine at the forefront. On his latest EP, No Love Lost, Blix blends the worlds of hip-hop and R&B while shining a light on his upbringing in Los Angeles. Emotional Oranges. <laughs> Why would you want to name your fucking ba group fucking the Emotional Oranges? <laughs> oh my lord. Over the past few years, we've seen more art artists keep their identities anonymous, typically because they want fans to simply fall in love with the music, or while still having somewhat of a normal life. Then why the fuck are you in the music industry? What the hell's a normal life? Buzzing pop R&B duo Emotional Oranges are doing just that as they take elements of 80s soul grooves and house music while bringing it into contemporary times. Their latest single, All That, a funky joint collaboration with rapper Channel Trez, is set to be on their upcoming EP. <laughs> Uh, Gevion. Some fans took notice of Gevion back in 2019 when he released his single, Like I Want You. He then received a major co-sign with Drake, or from Drake, when he was featured on the rapper's single, Chicago's Freestyle. The baritone vocals and vintage style from a young gentleman immediately draws a listener in. Gevion went on to release two EPs take time, and when it's all said and done. The latter which featured a smooth collaboration with Snow Al Al Allegra, Gavion has the, t the type of voice that R&B listeners don't hear often, but absolutely appreciate. Um, sorry, but you aren't Mary J. Blige. Ra Alejandro Alejandro is a fucking drink. Ra Alejandro has been releasing music since 2014, but started gaining a lot more recognition in recent years by working with artists like Ozana and Rysias. He landed his first number one hit with his single Tattoo, a remix, peaked on Billboard's Latin Airplay charts on his debut album, Ofranz... Oh God. Afrod is Asco. Alejandro is ready to prove his love for R&B in a reggaeton world. The, the album enlists a number of star-studded features, including Anil AAA, Mike Towers, and Jay Belvin. Therefore, he's among good company to perform his own sound. Loner, which is spelled L-O-N-R, Loner may not be a household name in the R&B world just yet, but he's already secured a couple of Grammy Awards due to his songwriting contributions with Rising Star H-E-R earlier this year. He teamed up with the fellow singer among, uh, bleh, 
A full drink, four shots. Up with the... Uh, he teamed up with the fellow singer again on his smooth single, Make the Most. Their vocals layer each other tremendously as they crown about making the most time with the one you love because tomorrow is never promised. Loner's Shit Sandwich debut, debut EP, Land of Nothing Real, showcases how he's ready to make his mark in the R&B and hip-hop worlds. Okay, refilled here. Okay, the next we have Radiant Children, an eclectic trio of Radiant Children Children first came onto the scene in 2018 with their, de with their debut single, Life's a Bitch. However, they recently released their debut album, There's Only, There's Only Being Yourself, which blends pop, soul, and jazz. The group's genre-blending sound is evident on songs like the disco-inspired Pretend and the funky bass, bass lines of Prima... Mia... Mia... Bleh. Three shots, two chunks. Mariposa. Fans can only hope Radiant Children will continue bringing feel-good music for years to come. Uh, Kirby. Are, for artists looking to get a break in the industry, sometimes songwriting is one way to do it. That's what happened with Kirby. Known for penning hits like Beyonce's Die With You and Ariana Grande's Break Your Heart Right Back, her seven-track EP, Sis, beams with soul and funk that artists like Arik, Arika Badu and Bootsy Collins would be, be proud of. Don't know who those were. You could tell I don't listen to R&B. Maria Jose Lagaro, Spanish singer Mar Maria Jose uh, Lagaro, is, is helping to renew uh, Flamaco for a contemporary audience while honoring its traditional roots. Her seven-track EP, Sensation, was inspired by her family and upbringing in Cordoba as she sings about love, revolution, and injustices. Maria's vocals are angelic, transcendent, and dreamy, leaving listeners to want to, to hear more from her. So what the hell is this chick trying to be freaking next Selena? Uh, what will go that route unless you want to get shot? Ruben James. Ruben is a sandwich. Over the years, soulful pianist and singer Ruben James has collaborated with artists such as Joni Mitchell and Elton John while touring with the likes of Sam Smith. He's ready to showcase to the world his love for soul, jazz, and R&B. His latest EP, Slow Down, Features collaborations with artists like uh, Coltrane, Jay Prince, and Kevin Garrett. The project showcases his jazz roots as its core, at its core, while bringing the sound into a new age. That sounds like people are going to fall asleep. Priscilla Black, don't know who that is. While many songs on Tik, oh god, this is a TikTok chick, get traction due to dance challenges. Sometimes as artists and artist's original music goes viral by surprise. That's exactly what happened when rising country star Priscilla Block, oh god, and she's blonde, so she's gonna be the next Taylor Swift. While her fun-loving and empowerment anthem, Thigh, uh, okay, I don't know how this is fun-loving and empowerment for an anthem, Thick Thighs, 
<laughs> That's what you say when you want to eat a, bu a bowl of fried chicken. <laughs> went viral. It was her single, Just About Over You, that went to number one on the iTunes iTunes charts. Help, helping her land a record deal. I bet you 10 to 1, the people in the, that record business is probably going to tell her who's late. No, because... The picture that I see of her, she's a little chunky. Chubby. BBW. Well, in uh, Gabriel Iglesias' version, she's... Boom! No, she's husky. 42 Doug. Don't know who that is. Oh, God. Detroit. Okay, this guy's from Detroit. Detroit rap scene has been emerging over the last couple of years. A 42 Doug is the city's latest newcomer. After getting signed to label imprints under Yogati and Lil Baby, the young MC started gaining more mainstream status due to his features on Lil Baby's songs Grace and We Paid. While these tracks uh, pequeted uh, fans' interest in 42 Doug's mixtape discography, he's also been featured with artists such including Meek Ma Meek Mile Meek Mill, Big Sean, and Marshmallow. Why would someone have their come up with the name Marshmallow for a fucking music artist name? Marshmallow is a fucking food. And if this guy's from Detroit, I'd love to see him try to hit it try to uh top him shady. He is very popular. Huh? Marshmallow is very popular. I was talking about Forty Two Doug. Oh, him no. I'll have but to you see him you try said to go Marshmallow. Some shady. I know, but you said Marshmallow. Well, yeah. He's very big. I understandable, but why call yourself Marshmallow? It's a freaking kid food. He Marshmallow, the the guy behind the outfit or the costume is very huge on helping kids that need it. Oh. So he figured, well, what's the best thing for kids that they love the most? Okay, marshmallows. Marshmallows. So somebody took upon himself and became Marshmallow Man. Oh. And he's really huge. I've seen a lot of uh, some YouTube videos of him. He was also on, um, oh damn, what the hell is that show? I don't know. AGH. No, not AGH. Um, it's the one where, where they have to like go up on stage and not get three X's. But, America's Got Talent. Yeah. That's it. He was on there for the kids. Oh. And somehow he won it. Huh? Somehow he won his little spot to continue on a on America's Got Talent oh. for a little bit and then he just like disappeared. Don't know. Uh, Joseph. UK singer jo Joseph first made waves in 2019 with his EP Play Me Something Nice. Between his blends of pop and soul, he has been compared to the likes of Sam Smith and Amy Winehouse. I don't know how Amy Winehouse is actually good. While jo uh, Joseph seems to be a fan of combining genres, it's evident that love and heartbreak are the core of his, of, of his art. Themes that are ed evident of his latest EP, Does It Make You Feel Good? Um, that's what he asked... And she didn't get the question. Kedron Bryant. 